Welcome to Good News Friday with your host, Rick Sherwood. He's ready to spread some good news to this world. Let's hear it. Here you go. <laughs> good Friday afternoon, folks. I, I'm just kind of laughing here because I'm I'm watching Rebecca. She's we're we're having a bit of a flustered day here, and uh, so as this is kind of obvious by the fact that what we're aiming for is to have these good news Fridays out around three o'clock, and uh, you know since it's apparently more like five or five thirty now, we're just recording it. Um, and and when when there's a lot on the plate, um, Rebecca gets flustered, and when Rebecca gets flustered. I find it comical. I find it humorous. Um, I don't know, Rebecca. How do you feel about you know today and 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 about you know just the, the hecticness of the week and and you know what you're winding yourself into for the weekend? Well, with five kittens running around and Jake and no Sherry, it's been a bit for me trying to make sure that the house runs smoothly, and I'm hopefully I'm doing a good job of it. I think I'm not forgetting anything. Okay, so folks, so so the five cats that Rebecca just just made made mention of. So um, friends of ours who have a horse farm down Kingston Way. Um, long story short, we ended up they had two litters of kittens, and uh, you know high probability of the kittens not surviving the winter, and uh, you know uh, not always sure where, um, you know. What kind of home uh, cats are going to go to? And some people simply don't like the idea of a cat that was born in a barn. I don't know. Uh, Jesus was born in a barn and it kind of worked out all right for him other than his death. But even after death, you know, things kind of worked out all right. But apparently, uh, anyhow, so long and short. So we ended up with uh, five cats from two different litters. Um, and uh, just to, to give you a funny story, the, the, the two cats who gave birth... One of them has subsequently uh, been killed on the highway, so that leaves just the one barn cat. And those two cats, one was the mother, and the other one was the daughter. Uh, so it's a, it was a mother-daughter that was, were the barn cats, and it was the mother, the oldest of the two, who died on the highway. And um, so um, when we when we talk about these cats, we, we have... Uh, JJ and and Skittles were the first two of the litter uh, to come here, and uh, so the, the, those two. So I I believe the way that this works is Skittles is one week older than JJ. However, JJ is Skittles' uncle because of who they were born to. So something along that line. Anyhow, uh, regardless, yes. So there is lots of kitties running around and. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of insanity regarding this. And uh, as Rebecca mentioned, Sherry isn't here. She's been up in North Bay this week because her father was supposed to be getting a new knee on Wednesday. And uh, for reasons yet to actually be known, uh, that didn't happen. He was prepped for surgery. He had the IV in. He was uh, all ready to go into surgery for his new knee, uh, for the second new knee. He had a uh, one done last year that has worked out very well for him. And uh, so unfortunately, for whatever reason, the surgery was canceled literally last minute. And uh, there's no word right now on when it's going to be rebooked. So, um, you know, Americans are going to listen to this. People around the world are going to go, oh, my God, that's terrible, terrible. Right. Medical system. 
Uh, you know what, people? Uh, let's not beat up on the medical system. Uh, it, it's not about whose medical system. It's about the, you know the freak chance of life that something happened, and whatever it is that was you know uh, equipment related was catastrophic enough to actually shut down surgery. And so, I'm actually grateful that we live in a country where the whatever the equipment is could fail. And people were modest enough to go, we need to actually shut down this. We need to, to not perform the surgery. So, you know, uh, maybe I'm just an eternal optimist. But uh, honestly, I, I look at it as a, as a beautiful thing. So, yeah, so Rebecca has been, uh, you know, uh, going uh, between houses and going between all kinds of things, trying to, trying to keep everybody happy and uh, doing her piece to try to get the cats to all settle in. And, uh, yeah, so I'm sure she's been a bit busy. But uh, but besides that, Rebecca, how are you feeling about, you know, coming into Christmas and uh, being sort of in the in the middle of December? Middle December already. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe it. Um, I'm feeling pretty good. I was a little anxious thinking I wouldn't get all my Christmas gifts made, but they're coming along. I'm doing stained glass for um, my nephews and niece. So that was a bit of a dilemma there as if I was going to get it done because my classes have ended for for Christmas. So I'm trying to get them done at home here. But yeah, things are coming along well. I think we're getting the Christmas lights up and things are looking good. All right, folks. So now that we know that Rebecca's got a bit of a handle on her, on her stained glass making and so does Sherry and and that they are uh, on hiatus until the new year from their uh, from their from their staying last. Let, let us take a look at some of this news. Because again, the, the whole idea of this is that the headlines, uh, there's an old saying, if it, le- if it bleeds, it leads. Uh, that's the most more sensational news is the, the news that you actually generally see in your highlights and uh, the stuff that um, unfortunately we are inundated with. So, uh, here's some news stories uh, from the last week. Uh, one of them, uh, out in British Columbia. Uh, I don't know if anybody's ever been out there, ever got to see killer whales. They are an amazing creature to see in the wild. They are an amazing uh, animal to see in their natural habitat. And uh, a new transient orca calf has been spotted. And so there are two groups of orca whales that live off the, the British Columbia coast. One's are resident pods. And they are there year-round, feeding on uh, various uh, fish and various sea creatures, uh, and they don't go anywhere. And then there are transient uh, killer whale pods that, that transit uh, throughout the world. Um, and how far do they actually transit? I don't know what the longest recording is for, for a killer whale. Uh, they do definitely uh, uh, move around the planet, and they are seen in, in pretty much... All of the waters, they don't spend a lot of time hanging out in the, the equatorial uh, band around the middle of the planet, uh, but they are, they are found in all the oceans of the world. And so the fact that uh, this calf was seen is very good for the health of uh, killer whales and for the health of our oceans. So a little bit of good news there. Um, archaeologists, this one I found really interesting. Um, they found what they believed to be a 6,500-year-old Stone Age cemetery just 50 miles south of the Arctic Circle. 
Um, it's a prehistoric site uh, known as uh, Tanero, I think is how you would say it. T A I N I A R O. It's a it's uh, it's in the region of Lapland uh, in uh, Finland, and apparently uh, they're saying that there was actually a cemetery. So you know the the idea of burying bodies, the idea of of creating ceremony over our over our, our loved ones who have gone before us, uh, been doing it for a long time. So I, I just found that to be rather interesting. That again. Uh, as much as we've kind of stomped around this planet for a long time, it's amazing how much we don't know and how much we're rediscovering um, about that stuff all the time. Another interesting story from just up Highway 8 uh, from Stratford in the metropolis of, of Seaforth. Uh, back a few months ago, a uh, John Deere tractor pulling a couple of liquid manure tanks uh, careened into a building, and finally, that tractor, the tanks were unhooked from the tractor uh, quite some time ago, but the tractor wedged itself in the building and was now part of the support structure for the building. So they had to leave the tractor there, which anybody who wonders about how tough tractors and other equipment are built, this this tractor is now supporting the corner of this building did not squat the tires down on it, did not do anything. It sat there just like somebody just parked it inside this, this building. And uh, they finally got that pulled out. So the main street of Seaforth has been given back to the residents of Seaforth. And all of the barricades created around this building have now been taken down. So uh, they can continue to do repairs and do all the other needed things that need to be done uh, for that building. And uh, so, yeah, so again, one of these things where it's just it's fascinating how tough a tractor is, how tough some pieces of equipment are. And uh, if you ever see a photo of a, of a tractor parked inside a building, uh, you can go online, find it. And my word, go buy John Deere. Go buy John Deere stock. Apparently they are very tough tractors. And perhaps that's why I own several of them. Another interesting, interesting thing is off the coast of Japan. Um, they've been watching satellite images and uh, some new new land is being added to the country of Japan and its territorial waters. And that would be from a volcano. Uh, anybody who's ever, again, got to see a volcano, got to you know go online and Google, look around. Uh, an amazing process from, from this big ball of ours that uh, creates land all the time. The Hawaiian Islands are a perfect example of volcanic uh, islands that, that are created. There are some in the Caribbean as well. Um, Iceland, uh, there are volcanic uh, activities in many places around the world. Mount St. Helens is a very famous explosion of a, of a volcano that blew its top uh, about 30, 35 years ago. Uh, but again, one of the, the cool things is, is uh, the making of land. And so I remember back years ago, um, I'm going to say back in uh, the 90s, I was on a helicopter on the, the big island of Hawaii uh, with my first wife. And we were flying over top of uh, an active uh, section of Kilauea uh, volcano. And when we were uh, flying over top of it, the pilot comes on and he says, you know, like look down there. And what he was talking about was lava tubes. And he said, it is the most effective way to actually build 
new land. And I never really thought of, uh, until that moment, how volcanoes build land. And so what they do is they take from our molten core and they you know, bring that core up to the surface and uh, put it out into the ocean or put it out into uh, uh, topography. And uh, yeah, they either goes up or out. And in the, in the aspect of a lava tube, uh, which again, if anybody's ever uh, seen or, or had the opportunity to go to uh, an old lava field, you will find. And in the Hawaiian Islands, there's actually some really cool, they call them the cathedrals, which is some really cool areas to go into to go scuba diving, which are old submerged lava tubes. So, so what happens is the lava actually flows extensively through um, the rock. The outer shell cools, creating a hard surface. The inside stays molten enough that the lava keeps flowing and the lava, when it is done flowing uh, downhill, leaves a open tube. And so that's why they're called lava tubes. Uh, and they're absolutely beautiful to see on land. Uh, in the ocean, uh, the cathedrals were amazing to scuba dive in. And so again, I, I highly encourage uh, people to, uh, to go and do that. Uh, the only downside is that you're, you are diving uh, in, in fairly open waters. And so if the dive company you go with, uh, you know, is bound to bent, you, you may be having yourself one very rough ride at anchor, which was our experience. But you know what? It did not diminish from what the, what the lava tube showed underwater. And so those cathedrals were absolutely gorgeous. Another interesting fact from around this big ball of ours is that recently uh, there was two storms, two low pressure systems. And you're going to say, oh, my God, how can this, how can weather be interesting? Well, if you're Canadian, weather is always interesting because as Canadians, our weather changes very quickly. Um, and but yet, I ironically, just recently, just to give you an idea of, of the magnitude of what uh, this planet can create. There was two low-pressure systems, one off uh, our west coast of, uh, of Canada, one off the east coast of Canada, and each of those low-pressure zones, so think about when you're watching the news and you see these low-pressure and high-pressure zones, and that's what creates wind shear, and that's what creates uh, all kinds of, of interesting things, such as tornadoes and and the high pressure zones that we see in the summer that will dominate over uh, large areas for us to have, you know, warm, you know, clear skies. Well, these low pressure zones, each one of them were touching North America. And at the same time, each one of them was so wide, the circumference of them was so big, they could have actually covered Canada from coast to coast. That's a, a story from uh, from the Weather Network, and and again, it, it's just we think as human beings how much power we have. We on our best day uh, could not create two low pressure systems that massive, that in, in incredible in size. Uh, we can do a lot of stuff incrementally to influence the weather for sure, and we are doing that every day. Uh, go into any metropolitan area uh, in the summer, go into it in the wintertime, and you will see a distinct temperature difference based on, based on uh, what we can uh, uh, maintain. So because uh, cement and, and things like that, they, they just heat up a lot faster than, than wood 
And so it's a lot hotter in the cities in the summer and in the winter, a lot colder because there's nothing to insulate and create a barrier for us. And so, uh, but again, uh, very, very, very fascinating. And so being a sailor at heart and uh, being somebody who loves to be in, on, or near the water. And also I love aviation and weather is a huge, inf in, huge influence uh, for both sailing and um if you want to go scuba diving and you want to do it in calm weather, uh, again, it's going to affect that huge and flying. Uh, nobody likes to have too many turbulence when they're up there flying around. A little bit of turbulence can be exciting and fun and watch the plane rattle away and watch the wingtips, you know, flap up and down. Again, can be very, very exciting and interesting and to think about what we can do. Uh, yet, at the same time, uh, I, again, Mother Nature, Gaia. She's got a whole lot of cards in her in her pocket that we have yet to see. So another really interesting thing, and, and this is going to um, humpback whales. One of the, the, the interesting things about uh, whales and communication with whales, um, we, if you go out and they will sometimes drop hydrophones in the, in the water and you can actually listen to the humpbacks. And if you're actually scuba diving, and, I, and I've had this privilege uh, a few times in Hawaii to be in the water, underwater, and get away from the surface sound of, of waves and everything else, and you just slow down your breathing so you're not breathing so, so much, and you go down and sit on the bottom or go down and hang in the water column um, away from the surface. And at times, you will actually hear, and if they're close enough, you will feel the vibration of the songs that the humpbacks are singing. And so there's always been this preconceived and, and, and idea that humpbacks have this communication and they have this, this way of communicating to each other over vast distances. And they, they have these songs that, that different whales in different areas of the world share and they have their own dialect, they believe. Recently, according to this news article, uh, for the very first time, uh, what they did is they took a recording and they, they, they tried to manipulate the court recording and they created an exchange where a whale came to a boat and so they were projecting sound into the water um, that sounded like a whale. Um, they weren't 100% sure what they were saying, uh, but, the, but the humpback whale that came to the boat... Um, they had what appears to be a dialogue, a conversation of some sort, between the whale and human beings. And so uh, SETI Institute from the University of California and Alaska Whale Foundation, uh, they had this, this close encounter uh, with this whale. And again, it, unbelievable. So what they did, uh, so the whale's name is Twain, uh, because if you don't know, uh, humpback whales all have very distinctive tails. And so when you see the bottom of the tails, they, it's almost like a fingerprint for, for how they are for white and, and scars and marks and all these things. And so they have these huge databases of whales. And so then they use the, the identifier of their tail. And so when a, when a tail goes, when a whale goes to dive deep underwater, it will 
arch its back up quite high and then roll its tail up out of the water. And when it does that, and you look at the bottom of the, of the, the whale tail and you are out there taking pictures, then what they do is they, they identify these whales and they identify them as they transient uh, between equatorial waters for uh, their birthing of their calves and their feeding grounds. And so, again, absolutely fascinating that the that this exchange apparently occurred for 20 minutes and it's truly believed that somehow these humans after tons of research were able to tap into an ability to send signals that the whale was trying to communicate back to and the whale was communicating back in different ways and so it wasn't just you know the boat sent out a grunt and the whale sent out a grunt and the exact same grunt and the exact same it wasn't that apparently i i wasn't there so i don't know for sure but but again based on uh, this news article so again fascinating and it really goes to show how much humanity has to learn about what is on this planet because we just plow along with these beliefs that these animals are just ugh, they're just an animal they're not human well, okay, but they can be just as important and they can actually have their own structures and their own lives. And in this case, um, truly, they they have language. And humpback whales also use tools. They blow bubbles that are net bubbles to actually encircle fish so that they can swim up through the bottom of the net bubble. And the bottom of that net bubble, the, the fish have congregate, congregated in, um, other other whales in, in those pods will come up through the middle and feed on those fish. And so they actually have clearly the ability to communicate, the ability to work in tandem and in conjunction with other whales. And now we know that they are curious and they will actually communicate if we can figure out how to do it. Again, absolutely. Now, last story. Dear, dear, dear to my heart. Uh, anybody who uh, knows me, anybody who's ever been to Lahaina in, on the, the island of Maui and in the Hawaiian Islands knows what an incredibly magical place Lahaina was before, before the fires of this year. It um, just this, I could go on for days about how much I love that, that area. I've been going there uh, for for decades off and on and and any chance i i can go there any chance i can afford to go there i go i i, I always want to be there when the whales are there absolutely breathtaking one of the beautiful things uh a tree was planted back uh in over 100 years ago and this banyan tree uh was planted in in the parkland uh, along the waterfront and it was planted over 100 years ago. And so they know who planted it. They know when it was planted. They know the day it was planted. And this tree has grown and grown and grown. And as it has grown and as it has spread out, they actually set aside an entire city block. Now, it's not, you know, maybe a metropolitan city block, but it is a city block. And this tree at night, if you were eating in in uh, in Cool Cats, which was a, a a restaurant right across the street from it, and you had these beautiful views out over it uh, at night, the sun setting, the the sound of the birds, and if you would go for a walk down underneath it when the sun had set, 
the sound of the birds coming there to to roost for the night was almost deafening. It was so incredibly loud. And that tree, they feared that it was going to die after the fires that ravaged Lahaina this year. And so apparently um, about 60% of the tree is showing some growth. Um, they have uh, spent a lot of time, a lot of energy trying to bring this, this tree back to life and trying to preserve it. Um, they do think that there is going to be some parts of it that will have to be cut out that, that, that has died. And, uh, but again, um, pretty incredible when you think about Mother Nature going through there and truly devastating Lahaina, devastating the, the island, devastating the, the, the peoples of, of that area. Um, both the, the, the Hawaiian people and people who have found uh, Lahaina or Maori to be their new home. And it is so beautiful because, again, uh, Lahaina will never be what it was, uh, which is which whenever I think about it, I want to cry. But one of the beautiful things is that tree, that tree that so many people would go and see and walk through and be amazed at is coming back. And so, beautiful people, for this Friday, December 15th, hopefully I've given you all a little bit of good news, a little bit of things to celebrate, some things to look into, and some things to truly celebrate. So, for everyone here at Black Sheep Rebranded, have a wonderful weekend. Hey, everyone, again, it's Rick Sherwood here. Thank you very much for tuning into our podcast. Thank you for, for making them as popular as they are. Um, with our ever-increasing countries that we're in and a number of listeners. Again, thank you. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. All the information here is proprietary, and we do hope that uh, everyone will have themselves a safe and happy holidays. It can be a stressful time for people. If you are having some struggles, please do not be too proud to reach out and talk to someone. If you're not sure where to go, please contact us, and we will uh, help you get some help. Uh, to discuss what you need. And so again, everybody here at Black Sheep, myself, Rebecca, Sherry, and all the other people that make this podcast happen, again, thanks.